This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Loves, welcome back. So excited for today's guest. I have an incredible mother and speaker and author, and she does so many incredible things, and she has a podcast, and I told her love everything she was doing. I wanted her to come on and for us to actually swap podcasts. I have the incredible Whitney Hawthorne, who is a professional speaker, author, certified coach, Fortune 500 executive, productivity expert, successful entrepreneur, self-care guru, and a passionate mom and wife. Whitney is a woman with many hats, as you can tell, and she's on a mission to improve the world, helping one mama at a time, which like obviously as a new mama myself, I absolutely love that. Whitney, welcome to my show. Allie, thank you so much for having me on the show. I am a longtime listener of Strip Down, so I'm super excited to be here talking to you. Yay, I'm so happy. That makes me, whenever I hear people are like, like OG listeners, I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so cool to be, you know, where you're like, oh, I'm going to get on this podcast and I'm going to go and share my message and I'm going to share it on a podcast I actually listen to. Uh, that feels good on this side too. It's pretty oh, cool. I love that. It's amazing. Well, so tell us a little bit more than obviously what I just kind of said in the intro, you know, who you are, you know, as a mom and why, you know, your mission is so much of, you know, being the savvy working mom, making mom life easier for other moms and empowering them. And just like, you know, kind of where you got started in the working world, because you're a speaker, you're a coach, you know, all these things like tell us. Yes. So I, um, I have two kids. One, two boys, one is two and a half and the other is four months. So I'm also a new mama. And we should definitely talk about giving birth during this pandemic because it's, uh, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. definitely been a thing. Ours are basically like really close. Like Amelia's like, she's, I'm terrible with math, but she's two years and a few months. And then Arlie's three and a half months. And so it's like, and it's so funny because you have two boys and I have two girls. So we're so close as far as like new mamas. Yeah, we really are. Yeah. So Feb 21st is my oldest. And then our, the youngest is um, May 7th. Those are the birthdays. Okay. Yeah. And Amelia is April 3rd and Arlie's May 30th. Yeah. So, oh gosh. Yeah. Really super close. <laughs> that's, that's so great. So I have two kids anyway. And when I had my first son, um, I looked around for advice and support um, for women like me. And who am I? Like I'm a woman, I work in corporate. I was having my first child. I live in a city and I like working. I'm one of those corporate ladies who enjoy her job, who want to work. I am not cut out to be a stay-at-home mom. I have done entrepreneurship, like I owned a gym in the past. I've always been drawn to help women. So I've done different things on the side, but I really truly actually enjoy being in kind of that corporate world. And I think it's really important for us to have women in that corporate world because it's always going to exist. And I always want to see women in that world helping to drive the decisions that impact so much not only of you know our day-to-day -day lives but the environment our culture what we have access to what we don't have access to and so um, when i had my first son i was looking around for some help and support and ways to figure out how do i do this thing right how do i be a mama 
which is a whole new identity, and also manage my job. And what I found, well, and then I guess all the other facets of my life, like how do I take care of myself? How do I live my passions? Like, how do I do all these things? And when I was looking around, I found a lot of information on how to be a parent and how to parent, or kind of direct career information on how to develop your career, but nothing that was really um, addressing me as a woman and all of my needs. And from there, I started talking to more and more mamas and they were all feeling this gap. And then when I went back to work, I started talking to other moms and I'm just like, how do y'all make this work? Like, this is tough. I am tired. I am frustrated. They're just, how do you make it work? And they're like, no, we, we don't know. We're all figuring it out. Like these were moms of, you know, recently coming back as well from maternity leave, but also moms who had 10, 12 year olds. And they were like, no, we're all just figuring it out every single day. And I was like, why isn't someone sharing this? Like, why are we talking about this um, more? And they were like, I don't know, why aren't we talking about this more? And from there, I just was like, this is what I feel called to do. You know what? I need to go out there and help other mamas by sharing stories, by giving the advice that's worked for me and finding advice that, you know, has worked, finding things that have worked for other moms and start sharing that with everyone. And that's where the Savvy Working Mom came from. And now it's turned into, it's a blog. I have the podcast, The Savvy Working Mom. Um, I coach women I'm on the side. Like I do what I can to help because at the end of the day, I personally believe that us working mamas, we are the backbone of society. Like we are contributing to the economy and we are raising the next generation. And when we do better, like our entire nation will do better. When we do better, the world will do better. And so for me, helping a mom, especially a mom who is working, is my way of helping to improve the world that my kids are going to grow up in and me being able to live each day feeling like I'm doing something more than just for myself. So that's kind of where it all came from. And that's a little bit more about me. I love that. And I love what you said, like, you know, especially like mothers and, you know, we are all raising, you know, literally little humans to eventually be a part of the world. And you're right. It starts with mothers. It, it really does. It starts with, you know, of course, you know, the parents in general, but truly mothers, mothers are, you know, birthing their children and raising them, you know, mostly and taking care of them and, you know, showing them the way in a sense of what they're doing and how they handle things and how they don't handle things and all that. And I think about that all the time for myself when I like have a moment and I break down or I have a bad moment and I'm like, okay, think about the example you're setting for your girls. Like think about how you want them to handle a situation versus how maybe you're actually handing it right now. And so I love that your passion is really for those working moms who really need that support and need to feel like they're not alone when they lose their identity because most of us do, that it's totally, totally normal. And like there is, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, yeah, there is. And I mean, to be sure, like my husband is super supportive and a great father, but at the end of the day, like, he's a dad or he's, he works in post-production. So he's an editor. Like he's not a working dad. Like no one ever says working dad or working father, right? Oh, they only, mm -hmm. so it's like, we have this weird pressure on us as women when we have children to, you know, I guess that's the quote, right? They expect us to work. Like we don't have kids and raise kids. Like we don't work. And it's just so unfair. And that's not put on men. And that's why I feel really called to helping helping other mamas because society just isn't set up to give us the support that we need right now. And I think in this pandemic, we're really starting to feel it as a nation. Absolutely. Well, and I, you know, for all of us, obviously, no matter what your situation is, 
that, you know, what's going on with the pandemic, it's like shifted all of our lives. And I think it's made us all be a little bit more aware of what's going on, especially just what's going on, like in our own homes, like, of course, outside world, but like, really what's going on in our own homes, in our own minds, in our own bodies, like, you're, I feel like people have really become present to that. Because whereas we used to be so on autopilot, we're not like we are that we're all trying to get back to work in a sense, but it's just not the same. No, it's not the same. And yeah, we're, we were on autopilot. This is like the big shakeup to help us recognize the patterns that we have and break those patterns, whether for good or for bad, right? Because some things maybe you wanted to keep doing and you can't keep doing, but you really do start to recognize how you live your life and the thoughts that you have and what is important to you, what isn't important to you. Yeah. And I, I think that's the positive of all this that's going on and being locked away in your house for so long is you really get an opportunity to to reevaluate and to really just stop and pause, right? Because in life, we just don't have a lot of opportunity to pause and reset. And this is, at least that's coming out of this. Yes, I absolutely 100% agree with you on that. And I think that that really is a really good message for everyone. That's something, whether you're a mom, parent or not, it's like, there is beauty that's coming out of this time. There is learning. There is so much growth. And I think that if we can, you know, look at that in a positive light, we can really put that, you know, towards us and help us. So for you personally, Whitney, especially being like a working mom, how are you doing that in this time? And like, how are you sticking to, you know, like what your real mission is and like what you're all about, which is supporting, you know, that working mom? So for me, it's really interesting because I had my baby, right, in May. So I'm in New York. And in New York, the Friday that we shut down, which I think was sometime in April, that Monday, I had actually stopped going into the office. Uh, my boss, who was amazing, he was like, just go home. We don't know what's going on with this corona thing, but don't work out of the office if you don't want to commute and do all that stuff. And I was like, cool, <laughs> work from home. You don't have to tell me twice. And then on Friday was when um, Cuomo, our governor, just like shut down the city and nobody could go into work anymore anyway. Um, and so from that time, that gave me about a month before I actually had my son, but I was always planning to go on maternity leave. And what I learned having my first son was that when I go on maternity leave, it is nice to be in a little bubble. Like you just don't know what's going to happen after. You don't know, like I, I had a little bit of baby blues. I don't, I'm not going to call it full onset postpartum depression, but I didn't know if that was going to be even greater after having my second son. Like you just don't know what to expect and you do want to be kind of in your own little cocoon. And so I planned to be in my little cocoon after having my son anyway um, in May. And, you know, through June um, and July when I was on, when I was on leave. And so it was a really interesting time for me, especially because what I hadn't planned on was my husband being home with us. What I also hadn't planned on my son being home, the older one, because I thought he'd be in daycare. So daycare was shut down. My husband actually got laid off. And so we were all home together. And that is not something I had planned for. And what it made me realize was what I really, really enjoy about my family, what I love about my husband. It also made me realize how we communicate and help to make that better. Because there are a lot of things where maybe you don't on a day-to-day -day basis, if you're separated from each other, right, you go off to work, you can kind of let things not fester, but um, you can kind of let them go, right? You're like, okay, that small thing happened. But when you're with each other nonstop, it's like all the little things can start to build up. And I realized that I, I, for one, you know, wasn't being as communicative as I probably should be about things that bother me. So we got a lot better at communicating with each other. I mean, small things, like nothing huge, but also it's like made our marriage stronger, which is cool. Um, and then I think with my kids, it's also just made in me 
appreciate them more. I am so, I was one of those moms who like, not gonna lie, when I dropped my son off at daycare in the morning and like, this is, see ya, on my way to work, then I have some fun. Like I enjoy work, I enjoy my son too. But being home with him so much, it really did make me miss, realize what I'm missing when I'm away from work even more. Cause I don't want to, I don't want it to sound like I don't want to be with him. Cause I do, but I did enjoy going to work and having that space to kind of be myself in that way. But home with me better with my husband, cause we're with each other all day nonstop. And we've never had that, right? We've never been together all the time because we both work kind of nine to five type jobs. Um, sometimes eight to six, sometimes eight to 10, whatever, but you know, we're out of the house often. And that, I, I don't know, I think it's just made us stronger. It's, it's, it's strengthened our bond to know that we can talk to each other. Also know that we can just be around each other nonstop without making each other crazy, like be around each other nonstop and enjoy it. Um, so that's some of the positive stuff that's come out of it. And the other thing is, you know, you have thoughts when the world starts to change around you, especially when you're not the one driving the change about like, what does this all mean to me? And as I started to read more in the news and see things about, um, you know, the moms who are struggling, trying to figure out how you work and how you maintain this home life and how do you make sure that your kids are doing virtual schooling while you're also trying to hold down your job and how so many women are choosing to leave the workforce or really kind of being pushed out of the workforce because they can't do both things and they have to put their kids first. Um, that all just really spoke to me and resonated with me and made me think to myself, like, this is, there really is a need for more support for working mothers. And I then started to think about like, how can I do that? Like, what can I do to help? And like, I'm not into politics, so I'm not going to be a person out there trying to write policy or anything like that. But what I can do is to help moms who want to work, figure out the best way to make it work. And that's, um, it just became very clear to me that this is where I need to double down and when I do that, I feel good is the other thing. Like, you know, when you first have a baby, you're just like worn out, <laughs> just tired. And when you have a, the second one, especially if you have a toddler, there's just so much going on that you don't really have a lot of time to, um, to relax. Yet I found like I was still coaching some women during this time. And every time I talked to them, I would get energy and feel energized just from being able to know that I'm supporting them. And that kind of knowing that that was giving me energy also helped me, especially in this like kind of chaotic and stressful time, um, really helped me to say, yep, this is what, this is what I want to do. I still love my job. Like I actually really enjoy my job, um, my corporate job, and I want to continue to do that. But this is the thing where, I don't know, my husband's a musician as well. So like he goes and he plays drums, right? That's how he gets his creativity out. And that is his, um, that's something he needs to survive. And I think for me, I realized helping women is something that I need to survive. It's not necessarily going to replace my job because I actually, again, I really want to see women in corporate, but at the same time, I really want to be sure that I am helping other women. And when I do it, I get like, it feeds my soul. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of what's happened for me in the pandemic from uh, realizing what's important to me and what's not. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you saying that and, you know, being so open about that, because I think, you know, there are a lot of moms who really do enjoy their jobs, you know, in corporate or in the office or whatever it may be. And a lot of moms feel bad saying that. And, and it's like, and then moms feel bad, you know, being like, oh, well, you know, my, I want to be home. You know, it's like this, you know, guilt, obviously on both ends, but I think it's really important that for you, since you are in that working space of a corporate mom, that you are honest about that and share like, hey, 
I really love the work that I do and I'm so passionate about it because it fuels me and I love helping other moms to feel good. But at the same time, I also love my job and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. They're all great. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. We're all multifaceted and it takes all kinds to make the world go round, right? I think the only wrong answer, wrong thing is when you're not honest with yourself. Yeah. And I know it can be, it can be hard to be honest with yourself, um, especially when what you want for yourself is something that you've been repeatedly told you shouldn't have or can't have, or society's like telling you it's no. But if you, if you're honest with yourself, then there is no wrong choice. Right. I love that. And I think again, like not to, you know, constantly talk about the pandemic, but I feel like so much of the pandemic has really shown us that too. Like you really have to be true to you. You really have to kind of go to that vulnerable place and, you know, own whatever it is that you're feeling. And it's something that most of us don't want to do, but it's something I know I've been doing and I've been doing the work on myself more and more and more and more. And it's like, as hard as it is to sit in your own shit, it's like, it's necessary. And I think especially as moms, like, especially as new moms too, I love that you said like, you know, like you talked about the cocoon and not what to expect and, you know, you don't know and this and that. I think so many times because of society and everything else, we all just think like, we'll have the baby, everything's gonna be great, you know, get home, everything's good and move on. And it's like, it just doesn't work that way. And you don't no. know what it's gonna be ever with any child because obviously every baby, every birth, every single soul is different and every experience is different. So it's like, I really appreciate it for you. You were like, I was, you know, knowing I was gonna be in my cocoon. I knew it was gonna be this. I knew it was gonna be that because I knew from the first birth that like, this is how it was. And you didn't know what to expect again going into it with the second child. I felt the same way. Like I had had such a traumatic birth with Amelia and had heavy postpartum depression, everything else that I go to, it was like, okay, with Arlie, I knew, I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew for myself, I was going to set myself up in a better place postpartum wise to be like, I'm going to take time off, even if that kills me, I'm going to be present, I'm going to allow myself to heal, I'm going to just allow myself to feel all the emotions and go through it. And thank God, you know, knock on wood so far, I've been feeling so good. And it's the complete opposite of what I felt you know, when I had Amelia and everything, but it's like, you're right. You just don't know. And especially as a new mom, you do lose sight of yourself. You do feel so exhausted and so overwhelmed and so many feelings. And it's like, thank you for being real about that. I think so many moms just can't even express that that's how they feel. Yeah. And, and, but it's, and sometimes you don't know how you feel too, right? You just know something's wrong, but you don't know how to explain it. Um, but it is like, there's just, <laughs> There's no way to, to, to start to, to explain to someone what it means to have a kid, even your first or your second, like there's just no way to explain it as much as you can try. It's just going to be so unique for each individual, just because we're all individuals and those babies that we birth are all individuals as well. Our two kids have completely different personalities. Thankfully, our second has been super chill. So for me as well, this has been, uh, the second birth has been um, much smoother than the first one was. Our first our firstborn, he was, he was amazing, but he needed a lot of attention, a lot of rocking, a lot of movement. The second guy, he's just so mellow and it's such a blessing um, that we are able, that that's the way that it is, especially because our number two now, he wants a lot of attention. You know, he's not happy sharing mama or dada with, um, <laughs> with his little brother. Um, and so, you know, that the little one is chill means we can give him the attention that he needs without feeling like you know, like you're over, over, I guess, over taking care of the baby. That's not the right word, but you know, that you're giving so much to the baby that the toddler suffers. Oh, for sure. And that's like mom guilt, obviously too, in itself yeah. is like, you just feel like 
you know, you, you never give enough no matter what. Like I completely feel for you because I also obviously have my two little ones and it's like, there's some days where Amelia is totally chill and she's all good with me really giving attention to Arlie and it's like no big deal. And then there's some days where she really lets me know, like, I really want your attention. I really want to play with you. And she's all over me and she's pulling and she's causing chaos on her own end because she wants attention and I can see it. And it's like, I'll look at the hours in the day and I'm like, okay, I'm nursing around the clock and I'm trying to give it to Amelia, but I'm really giving so much more to Arlie. And then finally at night, like I'm exhausted. And like, instead of sometimes giving to myself, I end up staying up with her and like giving to Amelia to like fill that time one-on-one because I want that time with her and I. And it's like, it is very hard, especially when you have, you know, two littles. And, you know, I I love that you said that your second one. So Zen, because I feel the same way with Arlie. I can't get over for coming into, you know, being pregnant in quarantine, being birthed in a pandemic, like everything else, you know, Arlie literally was born the day of the riots in LA. I mean, like just all the shit. It's like crazy how zen she is to come into this space. And I love it. Like you said, he's zen too. I swear, I really believe like these babies are like spiritual warriors. Like I really believe these babies aligned with this time for a reason. I used to like freak out in the beginning when you know, everything first happened. Everybody was obviously was so fearful and this and that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's coming into this. And then I started like talking to different friends around me and like a lot of my spiritual friends and this and that. And they started saying to me, like, you realize like she knew what she was coming into. Like she aligned with this time, whether you like it or not. And I was like, oh my gosh. And now that I see how Zen she is, and now you saying your son's a Zen, I've had so many friends of mine that have also had theirs at this time and have said the same thing. I swear, like whatever you want to call them, like, you know, spiritual warriors, light seeds, like whatever it is, I really believe like they chose this time and that's why they are so Zen. So zen and so peaceful, like they are the peace that's coming. Like it's yes, a, exactly. uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. I feel the exact, I just got chills. I feel the exact same way. Like it is so crazy, which, okay, let's talk about how was it, how was it for you being pregnant in, in quarantine and giving birth during a pandemic, especially because you were in New York. Like tell yes. us, about, tell us about that experience. Oh my, 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 like it was, <laughs> it was intense. At first it was fine until it wasn't, you know? And when it wasn't was, I was planning on giving birth at Mount Sinai West, um, which is, which was one of the hospitals that announced, oh, by the way, you're going to have to give birth alone. Oh, like, wow. No one in the room with you. And like, I'm a black woman and the stats around <laughs> the mortality rate and the issues with pregnancy related to black women giving birth, like already have me on edge. Um, and then my first son, I did have a negative experience with one of the nurses. And if I hadn't had a doula and my husband there to advocate for me, I think that there would have been much more issue than there was. Um, after that was closed out, like that nurse, she left, she was the night nurse. I went in around like 3am or something when she left and the new nurse came in, like everything was great. My experience with my first son was great. Clearly I wouldn't be going back to Mount Sinai West if it wasn't, but that still had me on edge because like, First of all, who wants to give birth alone? Like <laughs> you're gonna be in a room for who knows how many hours oh God, no, by yourself. And yeah, cause like the, and the doctors aren't there. Like, you know, you're the doctors and the nurses, they come in, they like check on you and then they leave. And so you're there for hours by yourself. Um, and it was the middle of a pandemic. So the hospitals are in my head, like completely overrun, you know? So no one's gonna have time for you anyway. So I was really nervous about having to give birth by myself. So the second that they said that, I really had a breakdown. I was like, I need to go, I need to get a therapist. I got a therapist. I was like, we need to explore our options. We may need to leave the city and go give birth someplace else. Like, I just, I don't know 
how I know we're going to do this. I just don't know where we're going to do it. And I don't want to be living with all this fear up until it happens. Um, so that happened. And then a few days later, um, the governor came and said, no, all hospitals must allow at least one healthy partner um, with the birthing, with the birthing parent. And from there, I was like, okay, I'm good. Like that, that, the idea of me giving birth alone was so frightening that when that was removed, like everything else just felt easy. I was like, okay, if I can have someone there with me, like we're going to be all right. I love and then, that because I also like went through that being, you know, in LA, like same thing, like as soon as it happened in New York for you guys, they made the same announcement here. And it was like, nope, no more, you know, partners, everything, you know, no one in the room, you're alone, wear a mask, the whole thing. And I remember just literally being shook and being like, holy shit. I'm going to have to give birth alone. Like I started looking at same thing, like other places, other states. I started looking into home birth, like all these different things to be like, no way, get the fuck out of here with me yeah. giving birth alone. Especially because you know, for my situation, knowing I had heavy postpartum depression with Amelia, I had a traumatic C-section, I had all these things. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going for a V-back. I need my husband. I need my doula. Like I need all these things. Like there's no freaking way. So I completely understand your feeling of like, oh my god, like. I am not putting myself in that situation. Like that is not happening. And at least for you guys in New York, like they made the decision very quickly. No partners are allowed back. When I started the petition for women to have their partners allowed back in LA, I literally used your guys' whole example of New York and what you guys did because I was like, this is ridiculous that you're still keeping our partners out. And I was so lucky and grateful that Arlie literally came right for two weeks because they lifted like the ban on partners like a week before. Oh man, I'm yeah, so glad I, to hear I, that I, for you. So close. Like I was like, you know, I was literally talking, like I would be talking to my doctor and then I was talking to a midwife on the side. It was like, if this doesn't change, we're going with this. Like it was just this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because I was like, I'm, I'm not getting very worth alone. I'm just not. And so I completely feel for you. And I feel for so many moms that did give birth alone, especially brand new moms that are first time moms. Like we yes. said, it was the second time we kind of had an idea. First time moms have no freaking clue what it's going to be like and then you put them alone I was like oh my god you're literally asking for every woman to come out god forbid with like some kind of anxiety depression yes no you're 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 prepping them for some level of mental illness after right. you're setting them experience. up for failure as a new mom yes. yeah it's I mean that is that I have such a special place in my heart for any of the moms who had to give birth alone especially the first time or if you had a traumatic experience the first time or whatever the previous time and then you're going back again and you're going to do it alone. Like it's just, I was like, this is cruel and unusual. This yes. is not, Agreed. Uh -huh. this is, this is not, there's nothing okay. There's nothing okay about making that your policy. And like, I understand the need for um, safety and wanting to keep everybody safe and what was really going on with the virus and all that. But like, it's dangerous to be alone when you're giving birth. And yes. anyway, I'm so yeah. glad that we both were able to have someone with us. No, I was so, I was, I was going to ask you, I'm so glad you shared that here on the podcast because I was wondering since you are in New York, you know, how that did play out for you. So you were able then to have your husband there. Yes. So then my husband was able to be there and it was pretty smooth to be honest. In some ways it was nice because no one else could be there. Um, once he checked in, he couldn't leave. He checked in, they gave him a COVID test. They gave me a COVID test when I had checked in before. And then um, after you enter, like they just don't let you leave. The COVID test for both of us came back negative. And so he was just there unable to leave the hospital until um, after the birth. They had just made a switch too, because originally, well not originally, but before, 
um, like two or three days before they were making the partners leave within two hours of the birth. But then um, when we had our son, you were like, they, they were able to stay until they wanted to leave. So he stayed for, you know, the majority of the time. And I think I was in the hospital maybe four hours when he left to go get the car and come back and get me. Um, so that was the experience. I, and so it wasn't bad, like, cause I didn't mind us being alone, like no pressure of having visitors and people coming through. And, and we were in a private room, which we had a private room for our son. We paid for it the first time. This time we'd have to pay for it because it was just a part of like, Oh, wow. of COVID. <laughs> so I was like, well, there's some savings there because it's not right. cheap to have a baby. So that's nice. Oh, um, nice. And then, um, and then that was it. I mean, look, I pushed with the mask on. So that was a whole. Oh, you did. Yeah. I pushed with the N95 on and the, I had, when I had, you know, he came out, we had, I had a vaginal birth. So my son came out, I held him. They took him away not away. They took him right next to us to weigh him. They were like, put your gloves on. You need to wear gloves when you touch him because our COVID results hadn't come back. So for the first 12 hours, we had a mask and gloves holding our newborn. Like we couldn't just hold him. Oh my God. Him. And that was, you know, not great. It was not great. But I was, you know, at the same time, I'm a super like silver lining kind of person. Um, glass is half full. Uh, so at the same time, I did feel really good that at least we could be with him because I knew so many mamas before me, right, had been separated from their kids until their COVID test came back. So at least he was with us from the time he was born until, well, until now, he's still with us today. Uh, and we never had to be separated, but we did have to have masks and gloves um, until the test came back, which was a, it's just a very kind of surreal and bizarre experience. When I look at the photos, well, also that, because there's no one there to take pictures for us. So it's like all selfies. But when I look at all the photos of us Aww. with the baby for the first little bit, you know, he's, um, you know, we're in masks and gloves and it's so kind of of the times or, or he's a pandemic baby. It's part of what happened. Um, so yeah, yeah, so it was just, it was, it was not, I think, you know, it could have been so much worse. It was totally fine for what it was in the time that we gave birth. Pushing in a mask though was definitely um, very special. And I don't mean that in a positive way. Yeah, no, I bet. Well, I was so grateful. So for me, um, we didn't end up having, they did temperature checks, but because we were all clear, they didn't do COVID tests with us. Um, so we didn't have to experience that. And then um, we did have masks on, but my doctor um, that, you know, delivered Arlie, he said to me like, you know, listen, when it's just you and I, you can take your mask off so you can breathe and like really push down. When the nurses are in here and the charge nurse, like keep it on. So I was kind of in and out of it the whole time because it was like mm. when he was in there, I was able to do my thing and he would leave his on and my husband left his on the whole time. And then, you know, when my nurses were in there, I had it on. And even that alone, just the laboring in it was intense. So I give you so much freaking credit, mama, because I was tripping just by laboring in it. So I can't even imagine full-blown pushing in it. Yeah, it was a lot. I don't recommend it unless it's what keeps you safe and you have to do it, then you just do it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm but glad that that's like, over. Was it like, was it just so like weird to like push it was that? Because I was, yeah, like, I mean, I felt really, it, you know, like when yeah. I was going through heavy active contractions, I was having trouble and screaming at the mask, like, fuck, I can't like, it, it, it was hard. Yeah, no, I felt claustrophobic and, you know, you're trying to breathe and you just don't breathe as well when you're in a mask. So it was a lot, like it was not, it was not great. It was yeah. Pretty awful. Um, when it was over, I was just like, can everybody leave the room so I can take this mask off? Oh yeah, I bet. You're like, everybody get out. Yeah. I know. I was the same way when they came in postpartum, I was like, can everyone stay out until like, I tell you to come in because I just want to be with my baby and my husband with no freaking mask, no anything. And just 
like be on our own, you know what I mean? And just like that simple little thing, like just leave us alone in our room, you know? And it's like, I totally get it. Like you said, for like safety too and all that. And, you know, I'm not going to go into all that, but in my opinion, it's like, it's your choice. I know this sounds messed up, but it's, it's your choice to, you know, essentially endanger your bubble. Like I understand outside of that is a different story, but when it comes as far as like you and your family, it really is your decision of how you're going to handle, you know, your baby and your family because you're going to raise that baby. Yeah, it's your household. I mean, you, you, you should be able to decide what goes on in your own household. Right, exactly. Agreed, you know? So that was where I struggled with a lot of that stuff, but I'm so glad that your birth was you know, overall went pretty well and you are such a champion for pushing in a mask. So now you're a mom of two. I'm obviously a mom of two. Tell me, you know, like, how do you feel like it is now? Obviously, like you said, it's a little bit different than you expected because you, you know, thought it would be just kind of you and your little one because your other one was going to be at school and husband at work and everything else. And obviously that has been quite a shakeup. So like, what does it look like for you now? And how has it been being a mom of two and adjusting? And what would you want to share? Well, I mean, it's been pretty cool to be honest to have us all home because again, I know that this is something that wouldn't normally happen. All four of us home nonstop together. I've gone back to work now. I'm, I'm not on maternity leave anymore. And it's frustrating in some ways and kind of trying because I've been home and completely present with my family for months. And while my husband gets what going back to work is, and while the four month old doesn't, you know, he doesn't get it. He's just a little baby. The toddler is kind of like, what in the world is happening? You know, he's two when this all started. And I think he kind of forgot about school. I think he's kind of forgotten like what the old world was like. And this is his only, it's not his new normal. This is his only normal is mama home all the time. Um, focused on him. So that's been kind of hard. It's like revisiting or reliving all of the guilt that you have when, you know, you first put your kid in daycare. Um, It's kind of like, no, mommy has to work and mommy's on a call and no, I can't play with you right now, even though just yesterday I could play with you all the time. And just having to like create those boundaries has been frustrating because it's a revisit of something we've already done. And I get a little frustrated with myself because like, I know it's not wrong. I know it's what's right for us and for my family, but it still hurts. You know, it's like, it's still, it's still real that it hurts. Um, and so that part has been difficult at the same time. I am, am grateful that we can, um, that we can, that we can make it work Great right? That my husband is home. So that's a good thing. He's laid off, but that means he's here to parent. And so it's not like we're both working and trying to parent um, at the same time also having two is totally different, right? Because when there's one, you can like pass them off and go get a break, catch a break somewhere. But when you have two, it really turns into man-on-man defense, right? You're like, okay, one is with one <laughs> totally. and one is with the other. And you're like, yeah, it's like there it's is like no break. One, I got the other one. Like it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's how like a lot of, a lot of the last few months have been like my husband will take our toddler and go on a bike ride or take a walk or, you know, go to the park and then I'll be alone with the newborn. And like, that's awesome. Um, now it's kind of trying to figure out how do we have one parent with both kids so somebody gets a break at some point because you kind of need a break. Um, our son's actually going to go back to school next week. Uh, so that should be um, a little bit of a relief in the family and the household. Uh, and I think also it'll be good for him because he is so hungry to play with other kids. Like he, the socialization part of it is is real like he really misses other kids he misses his little friends and like i said i'm in new york our numbers are down we feel pretty safe about it our daycare has been open for 
about two months now and we figured we would give them about two months to make sure they kind of got their shit together and it seems like they do no one has gotten sick um they have new processes and they did some construction and everything seems to be working out so i'm excited for him to go back and see his friends and get that social aspect um and also the learning like we're not educators and i think that's one of the things that i really not that I, I don't struggle with this one at all. It's one of the things I know some moms struggle with and I want to share is like, we're not educators. Yes, we're responsible for our children, but at the same time, that's why there are educators out there. And that's why people go to school and learn to teach. Um, and so this idea that we're all home now and we're meant to be working and parenting and educating, those are three separate roles. Those are three separate needs and uh, you know on you. And so I think that, it's, I just want other mamas to know, like, someone's asking you, like, right now, you're being asked, it's being put upon you to do the work of three different people to work, to parent, and to educate all at the same time. And that's just not, it's just not possible. It's not possible to do it well. And a lot of times, it's not possible to do it at all. So if you can't do all three of those at the same time, like, don't feel bad. Don't oh, feel bad. yes, amen to that. And I mean, go. yes, agreed. And I love that you said that, because I think that you know, obviously like for us, like we have little, so we're not really in that space, but there's so many moms who are like full blown becoming teachers. And you're right. It's like, none of us were prepared for any of this, let alone to teach and really like teach them school and everything else. It's like, we are all doing our best in this time. And I'm so glad to hear for you that you are able to send him back and you feel good about that. Was that a hard decision to make for you? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, it was a hard decision. We, I'm, I'm like overly cautious, especially when it comes to my kids. And we went back and forth a lot about, is it safe, right? Is it the right thing to do? And are we doing this? You know, am I doing this because I, because we need a break, right? Because we need a break from having a toddler home 24 seven for four months at a time. So that's fine. Um, that's real. I mean, yeah, people feel that way. Yeah, it's like, are we, are we sending him back to school for that? Are we going to risk his health for that? Or are we doing it for other reasons? And I think we've come to the place where completely honestly, it's a combination of all those things. Like when we walk by a playground, he is so desperate for, he's like asking for kids. He asked for kids. He asked for children. We're out at a playground and no one's on the playground. So they're open in New York now and no one's on the playground. We're letting him play. And he's like, kids, kids, kids. And I was like, there's no kids, bud. It was very early. And then an 18 month showed up, like 18 month year old showed up and he was trying to play with the 18 month year old. Just cause it's like, it's like, you know, and the kid's like toddling around, barely walking. And I was like, kind of broke my heart. It was, he's so, he just wants people his own age to be around. Um, which kind of like, don't we all? And so there is that part where the numbers are low here and I do feel safe. I don't think we're risking his health at this point to send him back to school, the school, especially because of all the precautions that they've put in place. And I know the other parents who are in the school, I know that they are doing their best to keep their family safe. You know, they're not out going to large gatherings and things like that. So, um, so yeah, but there was, so it was hard, but I do truly think it's the right thing for us, for my, for, for my family right now. Good for you. And I think again, like, you know, I saw something on Instagram the other day that was like, you know, let's be supportive of all moms, moms that are choosing to homeschool, moms that are choosing to keep things digital and virtual for now, and moms that are choosing to send their children back. Like, it's not an easy decision any which way across the board. And we all have to be supportive of each other to say whatever works best for your family. And so I was saying, like, you know, we all just, 
we're all doing our best, like you said, like hindsight might be 2020. Right now, nobody knows what, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, you just got to do what's best. So good for you for, you know, doing what's best and advocating for your family and, you know, your family's health and well-being and for your son and everything else. So one of the things I love about you, Whitney, if I let you go, is that, you know, I really love that you are all about really, truly trying to keep the glass you know, half full versus half empty. And you really are more of a positive outlook kind of person. And you obviously have been during this pandemic and everything and with pregnancy and giving birth and all of it. How do you feel you are able to do that? And what would you want to share, you know, with others, especially moms of how you are able to do that? Or what are some tips, you know, I would love for you to share to tell us kind of how you're able to stay in that mindset, you know, most of the time, especially during these times. Yes. So I really believe that happiness is a choice. And I think that a lot of our, when we're not happy and I'm I, like, I definitely believe in, in mental illness. I believe in depression. Like I'm not talking about that type of like, not on that level, but in general, I think happiness is a choice. And I think a lot of it has to do with the thoughts that we think it all starts with our thoughts and what we're telling ourselves, the stories that we're creating for ourselves. And so for me, like I grew up, you know, we grew up pretty poor. I was on welfare. Like there's not like as a child, um, it's not like I had this really super idealistic American dream um, childhood. Although in some ways I really did because I have an amazing family. And one of the things that I think about is when I look back on my childhood, I only have really good memories. And I know that my mom sometimes feels bad, like she struggled to give us all the things that we might want and need. At the same time, when I look back on my childhood, I, I, I never felt like that. I always felt like I had everything I needed. And that for me kind of showcased that there is, it's about the stories we tell ourselves, right? So when I was a kid, I had all the love that I wanted and the attention and the support. And maybe I didn't have like the flies kicks, like the coolest sneakers, but I did always have support. Um, and I always knew I was loved. And that was what I needed as a kid. And so as I look back on my childhood and I explain some things or like mention some things, people are like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's how I grew up. Like, that's what happened to me. Um, but when I think about it, it was, it was fine. It was all fine. And because the story that I told myself about my childhood was, was good. Right. And that's kind of, I guess, throughout all of life, it's really just, what is the story that you're telling yourself? What is it that you're focusing on? You know, are you focusing on the fact that you didn't have the cool sneakers or are you focusing on the fact that, uh, your parents were, or your mom at least, was always there for you, right? Are you focusing on the love that you got? And so for me, when I catch myself thinking negative thoughts or kind of going down a spiral, I try to pause and think about what is good and then force myself to focus on that. Like we just talked about when I had my son, um, you know, I, rather than focusing on, they're making me wear gloves and a mask while I hold my baby for the first time. I really just focused on, you know, there were a lot of moms who weren't able to hold their baby for the first time um, at all. And so here I am holding my baby and that's the thing I'm going to focus on that I have him and that's what's good. And so I just try and catch myself when I'm ever I'm having negative thoughts and find what is the positive that I can focus on and, and do that. And I love that. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I definitely have sad times. You know, I have frustrating times. I have angry, angry times, like everybody else. Um, but I do try and make sure that I can find positives where they are, and force myself to think about those because I find it easy to think about the negative things until you start to look for the positive things. Yes, I think that's so well said. And I try to do the same. Obviously, it's not always perfect, but it's like the more you 
really focused, the more you really try to stay within gratitude and just write down simple things you're grateful for and just really be aware. Like it's, it's really, it's really important. It really is such a mind shift. And like for you, like you said, you know, you really choose happiness. And when you choose happiness, do you have certain things that you do for personal self-care or are there certain things that you, you know, choose that you feel help you like anything that you'd want to share? Yes. I have a gratitude list. So it's funny. I love that you just mentioned gratitude. I have a gratitude list. So I write down the things that people, the experiences, the things that I have that I'm grateful for. And whenever I'm having a really hard time, I'll pull it out and I'll read it. Um, Cause I, you know, when you're having a really hard time, it's hard to dig in and focus on the good stuff. But if you have it written down somewhere or have images like pictures and things associated to it, it's easier to start to focus on those good things. So I highly recommend keeping a gratitude list. Um, keep it by your bedside or keep a copy in your purse um, or at your office when we all start going back to the office so that you can pull it out and just be easily reminded of all of the good that's in your life because there is good. And when you're happy, it's easy to find. When you're sad, it's not so easy to find. Um, and the other thing that I would recommend is like being okay with not being okay. Because being happy isn't about feeling joy every single moment right? It's, it's more of a continuum. And so know that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be frustrated. And really being all right with that, I think helps you to move through it more quickly. So you don't really wallow in it. You don't feel bad about feeling bad because that's when it turns into like a really vicious cycle. Yes, that's so well said. And you're right. It's so true. It's okay to not be okay. It's not always going to be happy, but the more you can focus. And I love that you said, keeping the gratitude list, like with you in your car, next to your bed, whatever it may be, that's like your spot. I try to do the same. It's like I have different journals in different places in the house because I'm terrible about bringing it around different rooms. So I try to like have different ones, one in my office, one upstairs, like just in different places that I am so that I can remember to note things down in journal and, you know, write down what I want to write down. So I really love that you do that. And I, I love that you shared. Well, Whitney, thank you so much for being on my show and sharing so much of everything that you know, is working for you and who you are and the way you support and show up for other moms, I think is amazing. Tell us where we can find you, follow you and tell us about your podcast. Sure. You can find me at the Savvy Working Mom on Instagram and Facebook. And the podcast goes by the same name, uh, the Savvy Working Mom. And that's the name of my blog. So please come find me on the podcast because I just really love sharing the stories of other women there along with, you know, my own stories. And I am always accessible over email. Like literally you can email me, Whitney at the Savvy Working Mom and share your story with me because I just love to talk to other working moms. I love that. Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Whitney. And good luck with everything with your son starting school and all good vibes. Until next time, guys. Cheers. Bye. This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained.